Hello, I'm the land keeper. And I am the sea god, Poseidon. We're here to celebrate Epcot Month of Unbuilt as a rejected characters. Yes, it's a shame. I was replaced with a fake elevator. The slander, the audacity, especially to me, a literal god. It is quite the shame, yes. What do you even do? I tend to the land, and I have a rainbow on my shirt. Weren't you in the Imagination Pavilion? My lawyers have been on that for decades. What are you up to nowadays? Well, I have a walkthrough attraction at Islands of Adventure, and in my spare time, I work on my comedy music. You write parody songs like Weird Al? Indeed, and I even stuck to Disney. Look at this, a parody of Listen to the Land Whoop called, <laughs> wait for it, Listen to the Sand. Hilarious. Take a look. Okay, uh, just watch as I rip into this luxury cruise ship and throw it down to the bottom of the sea. Poseidon, this is really dark. I was inspired by one hilarious event from 1912. Uh, keep this one to yourself, bud. To each their own. What do you even do? I told you, I tend to the land. And how is that going? Have you seen the news? Not great. I, for one, am aesthetic. My territory only continues to grow. Okay, I'm out. Enjoy, listeners, and be sure to watch Percy Jackson on Disney+. Plus. It's Epcot Month, starring Ryan O'Reilly, Ryan Dorman, The Landkeeper, The Sea God Poseidon, and The Two Follies. Welcome, students, to another episode of Unbuilt Epcot Month. With me today, as always, is my co-host, Ryan Dorman. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. I'm excited mm-hmm. to, to talk about more Epcot. This is yeah. like uh, Christmas for me. This is Christmas. Which will, five, which will make Christmas worse, Christmas. so I appreciate it. You know, it's Five weeks of Christmas. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're actually recording this on um, September 28th as poor old Florida is being hit by Hurricane Ian. Um, this is going to be way, way past, or at least way past um, when the hurricane's gone through. But yeah. I do hope they went through it safely and nothing was hurt or anything. But uh, it is actually thundering and raining here, too, in Vegas. So we have a little bit of it. You might hear it's universal thunder. empathy, Ryan. It's, mm, it's, exactly. You're going to suffer. Today. <laughs> uh, well, I've been suffering. I just uh, scanned through a bunch of... Um, blonde on netflix right now and it was you scanned through the movie i i wanted to see the, the some of the scenes that people have described as oh my goodness extremely upsetting yeah and i, I, I read that you know scene you're did, you, did you read that review of uh the interview with andrew dominic oh it came out yesterday yeah i read it <laughs> yeah this, this guy probably should not have directed a film by about marilyn monroe no just... it was pretty funny it was like everyone was defending him on twitter <laughs> they were like oh it's 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 okay and then he came out and was like i don't really care <laughs> doesn't really matter to me <laughs> but uh yeah I, I the musical score uh is basically a complete dro- a droning noise that says this is unpleasant this is an unpleasant film just Ooh. just <laughs> one of those long synth beats 
yes. over right. and over and over. I'm glad I, I'm going to get Un- that's under, exciting underneath uh, wonderful, vaguely pro-life sentiments. Well, you know, <laughs> uh, not. Yeah, I'm not going to be watching the rest of it. I will. <laughs> you will. Yes. Enjoy that. Enjoy. <laughs> enjoy sitting through to all two hours and forty-seven minutes of Blonde. Jeez, I, I have a ticket for Avatar tonight too. So that's... oh, you're seeing oh wow, doubly long films. Yeah, I know. I, I don't know if I could. I just I saw it in '09, and I I thought it was really really beautiful, but also really really boring. Hmm. I saw it on a DVD from CVS Pharmacy. <laughs> See, now you have an excuse. You've never seen it in the beautiful, pristine 3D. I, I watched half of it on DVD, yeah, and I never, mm-hmm. never watched it. I was going to watch it on Disney Plus in like 4K, yeah. but they, I wonder, they took it off. I don't like, know. Like, I wish. <laughs> wonder why. I wonder why. Hmm. I wish there was like, uh, a, like Jim's, Jim's Cameron will never do this, um, mm. but uh, if only there was like a condensed version, like. Here, see 90 minutes of the best 3D of Avatar. Yeah, I'd probably go see that. Well, they, they have that condensed version. It's, yeah, it's called seven Black minutes long. Yeah, that's yeah. right. There you go. They condensed all the best parts into seven <laughs> minutes. And, that's and true. That's true, true. Hmm. Uh, but uh, we are not here to talk about Avatar or no. Netflix Oscar bait. We are here oh. to talk <laughs> about unbuilt future world pavilions. Now, you might be thinking these are ideas for pavilions that they never did. And while that is true, there are some ideas out there. Um, I thought those deserve their own episode. These instead will be unbuilt variations on different pavilions uh, and future world was you know long in progress so a lot of these ideas saw differences and uh i picked out some of the ones that have the biggest differences from what their eventual counterpart became there is one thing uh that we will discuss that i just wanted to throw in there as a talk just it's a cool idea that i wanted to talk about but mostly that's what we're going to be talking about today so uh, before we move on to our main topic, anything else you want to? Nope. Uh, no, I think you I'm going to get into it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. All right. Let's get into our main topic. Let's go through uh, the future world, unbuilt future world. And as we've reiterated over the last couple of episodes, future world was at the front of Epcot Center. Originally thought of as the future world theme center, this was changed when the Imagineers pushed the two models together to form Epcot Center. At its maximum build out in late 1989, it consisted of nine pavilions. Those were Spaceship Earth, Communicore, Universe of Energy, Wonders of Life, Horizons, World of Motion, Imagination, The Land, and The Living Seas. Um, Now, technically, two of those pavilions are gone now. That's Horizons and Wonders of Life. World of Motion, of course, changed in the test track, but um, mostly that stayed the same. Oh, and of course, Communicores. Uh, each pavilion focused on a different science and how it affected our society and where it can go. 
Spaceship Earth was about communication, for instance. These were told through numerous whimsical attractions, as Imagineers would say, made the real become fantastical, instead of the opposite, as the Magic Kingdom would do. Guests went aboard vehicles into the realm of the creative arts with Dreamfinder and Figment, saw a humorous history of transportation, watched a musical review of singing food stuff, climbed inside the mind of a 12-year-old boy, and of course, faced off with the sea god Poseidon. Wait, no, wait, that didn't happen, but it almost did. Today we'll be ticking off a list of five concepts and ideas that did not quite make it into Future World, and many will seem pretty familiar. So let's start out with the land, and you can see that model right there. And what is what is your first thoughts about seeing that? Oh, that's the the, the classic glass, classic cla- mm-hmm. the, the the classic glass building, the killer of birds heard around the world. Yes, it's what Tony Baxter aimed to do for his entire Imagineering career. We talked about a similar thing with Discovery Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, Lucas Land actually had a version of this that was the unbuilt Tomorrowland redo. Um, very similar with that geodesic. He really wanted these giant geodesic crystalline structures. He, he really wanted to do that. Uh, so you could see a lot of those photos of this model that was famously on display at uh, the D23 Expo, and I believe it was 2013, uh, 2013 or 2015, one of those two. Uh, this model was on ex- display. In 1978, Tony Baxter and the Imagineers drew up plans for a land pavilion themed to farming, agriculture, and nature. The main plan was to be focused around biomes and featured a crystalline structure, geodesic, futuristic greenhouses towering over the park. Three entrances next to waterfalls led to a complex system of glass biome environments in which there would be, again, a structured tour as they descended underground. This took guests to the back of the pavilion where they would enter a carousel theater and meet their host, the Landkeeper. And you could see the Landkeepers right there. Look at him. Wow. Yeah. So he's a dream finder with uh, a mix of Captain EO, because he has that rainbow on his chest. Mm. Uh, well, not on his chest, it's on his shirt. And he has a little rainbow on in his lapel, but he has a bunch of white hair this time. So Dreamfinder was, uh, I believe he had brown hair or red hair. I don't know. Did he have red or bl- brown hair? The the Dreamfinder? Dreamfinder, yeah. Yeah, I'm colorblind, so. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, Ryan, look tell. at you. Yeah, I'm publicly, sorry. publicly, publicly, uh, publicly shamed. Me. That's I'm right. So sorry. I don't know. I, I always thought he had brown hair. Uh, that's my okay, best memory. According to but... this, he had red hair. Oh well, there you go. See, that's what mm-hmm. that's what happens. I took hair. a shot and I uh, I missed it. You missed it. Yeah. Uh, the Carousel Theater show would feature the Landkeeper, whose hair we must note was white, as an animatronic who presented the show about how different biomes and nature treat the Earth. Exiting the theater, guests would come upon the main attraction, Blueprints of Nature, where guests would board suspended hot air balloons and fly through the seasons in dark ride sets and then soar into the glass roof biomes as the finale. Once disembarking, guests could head into the Harvest Theater and watch a film, ascend into the elevated trail up into a treehouse observation deck above the biomes, or eat at a quick service restaurant with dining on the patio outside the pavilion. If guests really wanted to pay up, one of the biomes featured a table service restaurant. Rainforest Cafe? Hmm? No? (laughs) You'd see photos of the uh, model with the uh, Carousel Theater there. 
mm-hmm. and some models of the load and unload platform for the hot air balloon. It's uh, so sadly, Kraft Foods agreed to sponsor the pavilion and took one look at the plans and asked, "Where's the beef?" and all the condiments that go on said beef. They shifted the pavilion's focus to food and agriculture with only minor emphasis on nature itself. Tony Baxter was then replaced with Willie Crump, who came off of Life and Health, which we will discuss next, and Baxter moved on to the Images Pavilion, soon to become Imagination. Fun fact, uh, possible names for this pavilion included Avant Gardens, Harvest Tomorrow, Terrorama, what? Land Alive, Nature Scope, or Terra of Tomorrow. So <laughs> this obviously is the most famous unbuilt Epcot uh, pavilion, for Future World at least, because it's so striking and it's really well publicized. I mean, everything I'm showing you was on display by Disney. Right. This was on display by Disney themselves. So obviously they really don't care if you know about its existence, which is odd. I guess this means that it's like, eh, you know, you're fine with this not existing, right? (laughs) Well, I think it really is just one of those incredibly unrestrained Imagineering projects Mm -hmm. that go down in history as what could have been more so than they ever would have been actually built. I, I mean, the idea of these massive biomes in this giant crystalline structure with the dark rides and the two restaurants and the theater, it it would have been such like an all encompassing project. It would have essentially just been a theme park in and of itself. Arguably. That's interesting that you should say so, because when I look at this, there's two things have come of mind. Number one, it's, I, I think this is too large to be like a satellite thing because nothing should over everything should like cooperate with spaceship earth i don't know if that's the you know everything should work alongside it it shouldn't like overshadow it and i think this is one of the things that overshadow it i mean say what you will about like the guardians of the galaxy galaxy building that's just a big box okay so it's it's not really the active pavilion either like it's just where the riot is Mm -hmm. it's just a big box and it really doesn't go against spaceship earth i feel like this would go against it it wouldn't it wouldn't supplement it it would kind of clash with it a little bit yeah no i um you mean it wouldn't supplement like the whole park It, it it wouldn't it wouldn't like stay in the background. I feel like everything was there to support Spaceship Earth and not to usurp it or yeah. like, take attention away from it. I, I think, though, yeah, that's true. I, I do think that when Epcot opened, though, the more I think about it, the pavilions did feel like their own little contained spaces. They did, yes. A couple of them. So not World of Motion, of course, not Horizons, really. Um Maybe Wonders of Life, right? Not Universe of Energy, but the Living Seas. The Land, yeah. the land. Right, the Living Seas, the Land, and Imagination. I think all of them contain their own little ecosystems. Yes. Um, And this would have been... I mean, I think the current land probably finds a really nice balance between not overshadowing Spaceship Mm -hmm. Earth while also being a hub of its own. I don't mean Um, just... I don't mean in that. I meant like... You mean just visually? Visually, Yes. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree. I, I know what you mean. I think, you know, imagination is probably the closest thing there is today to something that might overshadow Spaceship Earth. But you don't see it towering above it. Exactly. And it's mm-hmm. also not, 
incredibly beautiful <laughs> yeah. and more attractive than anything else in the tell, you uh, tell it's a little restrained yeah yeah i i really it is a fantastic idea i think you'd be hard pressed not to to say that everything that is in the land today or was in the land in 1982 is just done with 10 times the extravagance mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in the original plan but I do understand what you mean that a giant glass towering crystalline structure might not only overshadow everything that's near it, but the entire park, it would be more attractive than anything else. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh yeah, for sure. Could you imagine if, uh, you know, the whole Epcot plan, they were going to have sponsors renew up and sponsors like, all right, um, we're out and a new sponsor comes in and it's like, we want this and they have to look at this thing. And it's like, oh no how what are we gonna do with this like at the very least like the land the current land it's pretty you know you can easily pull stuff out and readjust it but this not not exactly very easy to do well yeah because it it does seem like it's um i don't know with the land the current land i hate to say it reminds me of like a mall food course 100 percent. oh i i I do not care for the current look of the land pavilion. Well, I do hate to say this too, but I really care for it. So it's it's a mm. horrible, horrible paradox. I think it looks like a mall food court, but I like mall food courts, I guess. So. Ah, <laughs> I, I I don't mind mall food courts, but modern mon- mall food courts kind of suck. I like yes. I like the old. Uh, I mean, you've seen you know the old like nineteen eighties land pavilion with. The farmer's market and it had like a cool whimsical flair to it and god just everything everything in it was like a lot more whimsical and you know uh fun and i mean that's a lot to do to roly right. crump i mean roly crump really pushed for that i mean look at living with the land uh listen to the land it was back then and how it began um with all those lighting effects and you were like shrunk down to the seed level and uh, then you had Kitchen Cabaret, which was really fun. And the 90s, I mean, the 90s version wasn't fantastic, but I feel like it still kept a little bit of it. And then it, the 2005 version, uh, you know, I, at one of the one of the meals at Seasons, I believe it's Seasons right now, right? Sunshine Seasons. I thought it was just called Seasons. No, it's the, the Sunshine Seasons Cafe. Current, current yeah. one is Sunshine I, Seasons. I believe so. Okay, I'm, I have to. I'm look looking it up. This. All right, fine, fine, fine. Mm-hmm. I think you might be right. There you go. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Google okay. listed as Asian Fusion. <laughs> well, <laughs> I remember. Really? Wow. Okay, I remember <laughs> the last time I went to uh, Sunshine Seasons. And uh, I got a very plain pork chop. And it's that not is... Asian fusion. I would, <laughs> I would never say it's Asian right. fusion. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm just, I'm just saying as a, a comparison, it was a right. very plain pork chop. And uh, that's the way I would describe the current land pavilion. Aww. It is a very plain pork chop. Fits it very well. You dog. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I, I understand. Snore. Uh, that that is it's currently not nearly as extravagant as the proposed plan um perhaps that's because it leans on food i i think you know maybe this is hindsight 2020 but i do think that the food um the way of doing the way that people live and synthesize with the land at least to me is a more interesting idea mm-hmm. than just strict 
nature. I, I, but it would be a very good, um, analog to the seas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's always hard to determine like what exactly the intentions of Communicore West and Communicore East or Future World West and Future World East the, are. Yeah. Catch all uh, for Communicore, but yeah, whatever it's called, uh, now, what is it? World discovery and world, oh, this world area nature? is world nature. But not imagination. That's world celebration. That's world celebration. That is correct. Right. So I think you could argue if this was done as the more naturally focused crystalline pavilion, then what is that? Future World West, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm correct on that. Yes. Yes, you're correct. Okay. Uh, Future World West is like the the world as it exists and the world as it exists in our mind. And the other side is like world as a technology uh, and mm-hmm. and the way that we... Well, develop this, the world yeah. now the current mm-hmm. land would fit on the other side then so <laughs> <laughs> um but but it, it, there is something to say about how there would be a pretty strong parallel between the seas and the land under tony baxter's mm-hmm. in, uh, interpretation yeah. of the of the land mm-hmm. oh no for sure this this variation i believe um number one would be so overtly extravagant to the point where and again he went on to take over imagination so imagination wouldn't be there and imagination was only a thing because kodak wanted to sponsor pavilion so they came out the images pavilion and that was too boring so they came up with imagination and tied that all together i i believe it was the images pavilion there's another name for it but uh the land pavilion as it is right here I mean, wouldn't this just overshadow, like, even the seas? Like, you don't think, okay, well, oh, we're actually, yeah, we're going to talk about a version of the seas that was much more, um, much, much bigger, more, more extravagant as well. But I just feel like none of the other pavilions just got nearly this crazy. And, like, this is like, this is like uh, putting Animal Kingdom or a big Joe Rody creation plop in the middle of a rather utilitarian atmosphere. Yeah, no, it I, just I think you fit. Would, it would have felt very similar to harkening back to last week's show or last time's show. Um, the Africa pavilion pre animal kingdom being mm-hmm. plopped into world showcase where it would have yeah. been this incredibly dynamic and experiential land uh, mm-hmm. with a lot of different experiences and, and new shows and, and, and new visual motifs that probably would have been more dynamic than anything that was seen in world showcase at the time. So I, I totally understand what you mean. It would have definitely had, I mean, we'll see with the rest of these propositions for Epcot mm-hmm. that maybe the original plan for Epcot was a little bit different and that if everything had been developed according to plan, perhaps it would have fit a little more tightly. But even yeah. looking just in today's space, let's say that only this one was built. Um, they gave it to Tony Baxter as a concession <laughs> and imagination in the seas went on as expected. You know, yeah, it really would have stood out as uh, yeah. Almost like a little kind of jungle gym experience it would have been so <laughs> self-contained. Um, yeah, arguably, I, like Wonders of Life was. Well, that's the thing. Well, even with Wonders of Life, the thing is, is that about Epcot pavilions in design one, eventually what it all came down to was everything had like a little bit of a touch of that geodesic idea because it's it's all supposed to be this a crazy big brutalist architecture that was reminiscent of world fair world's fair pavilions 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so they all had their little touches, but nothing was made to like stand out. The difference is, though, that nothing. And, and this is this is interesting because we're about to reach this sort of interesting point where they break from the norm with Moana's Journey of Water. And they're mm. going to add a bunch of this crazy, beautiful walk work and naturalistic setting right into the middle of what used to be very trimmed and manicured gardens, pretty much. And now it's no longer going to be that. But this, again, like I keep saying, this is like putting Animal Kingdom straight in there. And uh, it's it's like, how how does that fit in with everything else? And I don't think it really does. Wonders of Life was basically you walked in there and it had literally the motif of an 80s shopping mall. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's mm-hmm. why people love it so much <laughs> in, a, in a very almost like paradoxical way, like I was saying before. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I totally I understand exactly what you mean. There was a like a uniform design uh, to a lot of this. It's interesting that you bring up Moana Journey of Water with regard to that. Uh, we'll have to do some additional thinking there. <laughs> Maybe that is the the new interpretation of trying to get a very natural walkable space mm-hmm. uh, into the park. So Tony Baxter got his yeah. dream. It was Moana. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure oh. he's I'm sure he's happy. I'm sure Tony Baxter and Joe Rody are happy about Moana yeah. right now. <laughs> I'm sure so many old nearly dying Imagineers are just overjoyed oh, about it. Don't say that about this. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> Uh, oh my gosh so uh, the other thing i want to discuss is i find it interesting that this out of like all of the pavilions that had there's some pavilions like okay so universe of energy and horizons are just one ride you go on it you go out and you leave uh universe of energy in fact um was so contained that exxon was like hey um all of the other sponsors, they get like extra crap, but yeah. we didn't get said extra crap. And they're like, okay, well, you can have like right across the way, you can walk straight in a straight line from energy straight into Communicore and do an extra space, the energy, um, Exxon Energy Exchange. So they had that. Um, with GE, uh, GE didn't care. They were like, cool, our logo's at the end, we're, we're good. Um, and then you had World of Motion, Imagination, the uh, and the Living Seas, all of which had it to where you ride the ride first, and then you exit into a post-show area. And the Living Seas, in fact, had a um, as it eventually got built, it was the um, a first two theater shows you saw two theater shows you went on the hydrolators you went through the sea cabs and then you reached sea base alpha so there was like all these steps you had to take to get to the extra stuff this one seems to be the most complex where it's not just a theater show this is a carousel theater show and carousel theater shows are long okay so right we're talking probably like a 15 minute show you sit through a 15 minute animatronic show you get out then you have to board a ride and the ride takes you over the area and then you get off the ride so we're talking probably like oh gosh 20 minutes to spend uh imagination was a little different where you could you could opt out of the ride you could go up to image works you could go to magic journeys all on its own they had separate entrances 
Uh, World of Motion Trans Center was more like a post show. Um, but this one, this one really had you go through a lot of steps. And yeah, I it, think that's it also seem something... like a lot of things. Yeah, like just it, a lot of stuff mm-hmm. to do. Uh, if you spent like time there, it would have been majority, I think, of your day at the park if you did yeah. absolutely everything there. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. You have to like spend at least 20 minutes and then you can explore this gorgeous like biome area that uh, I think would be easily the most popular thing in the entire place because mm-hmm. it was just so much and it was probably could be really cool. I think this does look really cool. And then you have the, like the little observation deck that would be like every, like would have the littlest capacity ever and probably right. some incredible views to the rest of Epcot. This is insane. All of this is absolutely insane. But I think about the carousel theater, it's like, man, a carousel theater too? Tony, uh, like, calm down, man. Just just have a little room with the landkeeper animatronic on. I'm going to put you on a balloon or something like that. I, I don't know what the landkeeper would have said. He would probably say something about how we have to be one with nature or, you know, listen to the land maybe would be said mm-hmm. in there. I don't know. Uh, but it's just, it is a lot. That's, that's the one takeaway I have of it. It is a lot. Yeah, it, it does seem, I think I, I just concur almost wholeheartedly. Um, mm-hmm. that's not a bad thing. I don't think, uh, maybe we would be singing a different tune if the land was a lot more, perhaps we're only looking at it as so much because the land right now is so meager. I mean, there are, there's, there's a, two restaurants, two, attra- three attractions, I guess, technically. Uh, mm-hmm. If you count Awesome Planet as an attraction, um, yeah, but but you really don't spend too much time in the pavilion itself. The pavilion is just a way of of, of spokes to the actual attractions. It seems like here the even the basic walking around the pavilion is in and of itself part of the attraction. Mm-hmm. Just engaging with the 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 natural kind of viewing opportunities around mm-hmm. the area so yeah it just i mean it does seem like a lot but you're not going to hear me complaining about too much right? <laughs> that's why it's so attractive to people when they see this this model is that it really was it really did feel like the next generation of of, of theme parks mm-hmm. um it, it took what they had or well it, it took what would be done uh at interventions as we know it and and really showed that you can have like these massive time-consuming uh explorative kind of attractions yeah. That are more than just, you know, space fodder. What what I find interesting is that, like I said, if any other sponsor came in and took one look at this, I mean, you don't, this would cost millions to redo. Millions. And I just have to like sit here and think, it's like, what could they possibly do with it? I mean, number one, we all know, no doubt, if this thing went like that dark ride, is gone. That's that's gone here in 2022, and it's soaring. We all know it. Landkeeper's dead. Landkeeper's been buried and in the ground. He doesn't. He will have. A, he'll be on t-shirts. The retro yeah, little, little, Epcot. Little, like, yeah, yeah, Epcot 40th. If I mean, if it it did open uh, on October 1st, you guys know your future world. Future people know they would be flocked into the store and they would get their landkeeper shirts. Um, <laughs> but uh, this would be Soren. We all know mm-hmm. it. It's, there's yeah, no doubt. Surely. Or at least mm-hmm. that or the, the theater show. Although I need to look at the 
the actual location of all of these <clears throat> of all of yeah, these. Yeah, so it's all there. it's like it's basically there's a show building in the back of the pavilion. So it's a giant crystalline structures and then show building in the back. It's sort of sort of like Wonders of Life, how there was the dome and then the extra show buildings in the back. Hmm. Yeah, I think yeah, I mean, obviously, a lot of this would have changed. You can just take mm-hmm. what happened to Dreamfinder and just take it and plop it, remove it, right. um, move it somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of these things would have been condensed in the time nowadays. Yeah, uh, it would have been some kind of a movie adaptation or connection or something like that. Uh, yeah, that's not <laughs> yeah, IP basically. Exactly. Yeah. Um. Gee, you know, there is a movie out there, and it was an animated movie, and it featured. A city. And you know what the interesting thing about this city was? Is that it was divided into biomes. Uh, I thought you were going to say Tarzan. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, Moana meets Zootopia. I can't (laughs) wait for that. (laughs) Oh, yeah. This is where we're going to meet Nick and Judy. We're going to. Yes, we can read the comic online. Fun. (laughs) No. (laughs) We already had enough anti abortion talk on this episode. No more. But yeah, okay, I'm convinced it would become a Zootopia pavilion. I think I think either a Zootopia or some kind of an Encanto like rainforest thing. Encanto, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's true. We we did discuss that Project Gemini with the rainforest coaster. That would be Encanto, maybe. We we do too much speculating. We do as much speculating as like the other podcasts that actually mm-hmm. believe these things. <laughs> Like we, I, I can't imagine. I imagine there's some other podcast with two Disney fans. Like, what if? Now, hear me out. The old land pavilion became Encanto. That's, <laughs> that's just every story. time. Every time we discuss one of these like Epcot things, they're like, "What would JPEG do now?" <sighs> yeah, hmm. but I, I, should I, say, I should say tomorrow. <clears throat> I do think that uh, all things considered, uh, the. I mean, I, I, you just look at this thing and you, you say that is immaculately pretty. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 I don't have much negative to say about it. I guess we can hypothesize about how they would have ruined it, but just looking at it on face value, uh, it, it, it takes the things that I like about the land currently, the attractions, expands on them, adds some more of them, and then provides perhaps a more cohesive experience mm-hmm. uh, that really just gives. That really would have, I think, been more timeless than mm-hmm. the current one. You know, the current True. one constantly gets arguments of, is this still yeah. a relic from the 1980s? Does it look like, like you said, an 80s mall food court? I, I don't think you would have had that question with this one. Yeah. Because it is so... It's so lavish and naturalistic. It's just, exactly. It's not surprising. It's, it's not Epcot. I'm just going to say it. It's not Epcot. Well, I don't know if I agree with that, because it's not surprising really? that Tony Baxter... Every time he tries to apply this glass building thing, he's trying to do but, futuristic. But it is this, it looks like a giant, it looks like a, a domed, like, forest. I, I don't know. It's it's weird. I, I think it, that it is, well, I think that the problem is, is that we now view Epcot because Disney got so lazy with updating it mm-hmm. as 80s as futurism. 80s futurism. Okay, exactly. Yeah, and I think that. While that's absolutely now it's part of its identity, like we can't mm-hmm. deny that that's what Disney does. They sell every anniversary. They sell the most tacky garbage for. Well, for, you don't like those shirts. You you don't like the shirts and what is oh the watch look neat? I saw that, but the you, watch you don't like did the look shirts neat. and they they release the same shirts every year just with different colors. Mm-hmm. And it's like remember the eighties? We have windbreakers at the store. Oh my goodness. 
And it's like when it was created, I don't think the intention was to make something of the the way the 80s saw the future. They just made it for how the future would have seen the future. And mm-hmm. and if you look at Epcot, the way that they wanted to redevelop it, <clears throat> yeah, um, it, it it took away that 80s kind of style and a lot of fans disliked it. But the, the new view of the future is, I think, minimalism. And it's surprising how, frankly, minimal... <laughs> No, uh, but that's I blame it on all the Imagineers leaving and the guy who loves the floors designed it. (laughs) The mannequins. Like, I mean, if in the event that you look only one other time has an Imagineer fallen in love with how the floor was designed. And I wouldn't say Dino Land is one of the more like impressive feats of Disney Imagineering. (laughs) So so when you look Uh, at the I still think that Joe Rody is just either he's living in denial with the Dino Land pavement. Or that's just that's just how he gets by. That's how he. Well, just, that's what I'm, he needs to say to justify it in his own head. I'm willing to believe Zach Ridley does the same thing. Like Connections <laughs> Cafe is incredibly bland. Um, is a Connections Cafe is incredibly bland, and the floors maybe are the way to sacrifice that. But like to be clear, I think that the way we talk about the uh, um, you know the land as an '80s food court and Epcot as like a very '80s futurism inspired thing. I mean, it seems like, and again, I'm speaking a little bit out of my ass here because I was born in 2000, but <laughs> the obsession with futurism is not something that has been uncommon in every generation since mm-hmm. the 1980s. You know, the way that we look at the the actual designs in New Epcot do reflect like Silicon Valley futurism. Yes. I, it's a futurism I don't particularly think is that attractive, mm-hmm. uh, mostly because it feels so homogenous with what's expected in corporation. Um, I think that was probably true in 1980 with the way they designed those buildings to reflect. It is at least more appealing than what it was for a while, which was this microchip 90s future, which it seemed to morph into and they just never fully pushed it into this. They never pushed it far enough because they they could not justify spending the money to replace exactly. 80s architecture with 90s right. architecture mm-hmm. so they just slapped yep. a 90s coat of paint on it correct yeah which isn't which is not it's 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 not very good design so looking at this one looking at the design for looking at the land pavilion as it was designed in this case i i do think it fits into epcot insofar that it matches the original design of futurism is it 80s futurism Honestly, it might be closer to 70s. It's mm-hmm. it's so much more minimal and and I can see why Lucasland or yeah. Port, Lucasport, is that's what it was called, right? Yeah, Lucasland or Lucasport. It's when oh, they have both cool. two names. Cool. I got, I got both of them. Awesome. I yeah. can see why uh Tony Baxter was so attracted to it with Lucasland because the uh uh the the way that Tomorrowland was designed in the 50s is pretty similarly minimal. Um mm-hmm. so this whole long diatribe is to say that insofar that we're talking about as Epcot began, I think you could say that it fits. But once Epcot decided that it was going to be the park of 80s nostalgia instead of 80s futurism, it fell apart. So no, mm-hmm. like right now it would look completely odd. But that's because yeah. Disney committed so heavily to preserving and identifying the park with the 1980s. And and perhaps that's because... We're looking at this as a lens of the entire park like changed, but this one pavilion stayed like this, whereas they were still figuring things out to make everything feel more of a cohesive whole. 
but uh, we'll we'll uh, get into build it or not later. Uh, we're already like a lot through, and uh, <laughs> we still have many pavilions to get to. So uh, let's move on to the Life and Health Pavilion. Visitors to the Life and Health Pavilion will experience a new awareness and appreciation of themselves. The incredible journey within will take guests to explore the inner workings of the complex human machine. Learning that good health is based more than anything else on their own personal responsibility and behavior. And you can see right there in the spot of Wonders of Life uh, was, or the Play Pavilion currently is, uh, there's a billboard there uh, saying future sight take the ride of your life explore the human body on an incredible journey within life and health and that was there in 1982 epcot center was always destined to have a life and health pavilion it just took a long time to eventually get there in 1978 Rolly crump and his crew were tasked in creating a whimsical environment to learn about good health habits Themed as the Great Midway of Life, Rolly brought on board Dr. Charles Lewis, who was a UCLA professor in preventative health. Dr. Lewis quickly realized that guests on vacation would be resilient to being told to behave in a healthy manner even more so than usual, and instructed the Imagineers to focus more on entertainment rather than education. The vibe should be positive and offbeat rather than judgmental, owing to the adage, if it's a ton of fun with an ounce of information, you'll reach a teachable moment. They sought to appeal to guests' emotion rather than focusing solely on the information, hoping that guests would come away looking positively from the experience. You can see right there that's the model of um, how it was supposed to look. Uh, guests would enter the pavilion in a circular portion, much like the eventual Wonders of Life became. However, this was much smaller and the center featured a mechanical carousel set piece with various booths and attraction entrances alongside the wall. So in Wonders of Life, as it uh, became, uh, the idea was not to be, you know, you go into like the main area and um, the biggest attractions, which were Cranium Command and Bodies Wars, those were on the very outer edge and everything is kind of like located in between. This was everything you were had this like tight circle, which is horrible for bottlenecking and yeah. all the attractions were in the outer ring. And then this was also balanced by two uh, show buildings on the flanked on the left side and the right side. The left side would be the main entrance. You'd walk in and there would be posters for what you can experience in the midway. And then you enter and the other side was the dark ride. Moving clockwise, guests could enter a theater to see a film called The Joy of Living, following a man from birth to old age, which is totally not depressing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next was the Sensory Funhouse, which was a much more fleshed out an actual funhouse than the um, iteration it became which was mostly a string of loosely themed exhibits on the show floor. Next, guests could enter a twin set of theaters. This was kind of like a, a duplex theater. On the left, guests could see the Tooth Follies. This show had guests seated on the tongue, looking out of the mouth. Surrounding them would be the teeth, who would speak to the guests as the screen in front showed the outside world. Um, what? Yeah, that's pretty... It's pretty weird. What is up with them? Like they, I guess they were so dead set on this wonders of life idea, the health and life pavilion that they just kept making weirdo stuff. I know. Well, this is all Rolly Crump. Uh, he, of course, had a very gonzo, whimsical ideas. 
and this is definitely one of them but uh this is conjuring unpleasant memories to me of timmy the tooth when imagination is your passport to adventure here goes you can be anyone you can go anywhere and the fun never ends it's a beautiful day to laugh and play and be with my friends no one knows more about imagination and adventure than timmy the tooth this is true the hell is that <laughs> a nightmare that's what it was that show had one season how do you know about this because i remember the infomercials like um see back in the day kids they would sell vhs tapes of really bad shows and show infomercials and during little kids shows and that's how you knew about horrifying things like timmy the tooth uh so yeah, yeah that's you're gonna stick with that image for a while <laughs> uh, so on the right guests could see the head trip where they would enter the brain and see animatronics as motion intellect and the nervous system work together to pilot the body you can see the model right there looks kind of similar uh next was the casino of life called you bet your life I like that idea. I like that. No, that's cute. Uh, this kid-centric casino would feature custom gambling games, more like custom-fit carnival games, like a steeplechase-esque game where guests would choose less caloric food stuff in order to make a cyclist go faster and win the game. So do you know what I'm exactly I'm talking about? Like you've been to like um one of those midways where they have like um a bunch of horses. And you'd have a, a bunch of balls and you would throw them and the person who could get the most balls in like the different slots that get the horse to come all the way across to the other end. Would oh, win. Yeah, sure, yeah. Yeah. But this would be different where you would be choosing like uh, healthier things. So the healthier the uh, the food is. The cyclist goes faster and gets to the other side. Oh, isn't that exciting? <laughs> not it's a, educational, not a okay, too. All right. uh, next was Good Health Habits, a three-act animatronic show. That is literally the only information I could ring out about what that meant. What, what, what? And it also seems to be something that Kitchen Cabaret did over in the land anyway. So. And finally... You know what? And that was Rolly Crumb too, huh? Uh, and finally, the incredible journey within. This attraction was a massive omnimover ride through the human body, beginning as guests traveled through the bone marrow and into the bloodstream. Guests would have traveled through and passed me giant mechanical organs and a 30-foot beating heart. Eventually, they would reach the brain and encounter a brainstorm and then exit. At one point, the vehicles were based on the Journey into Imagination one, but colored red like red blood cells, then red blood cell rafts, then actual traditional clamshell omnimovers. And you can see some lovely uh, images there. Um, and I'm surprised you're going, ooh, and not ew. That's why I like it, because it's all gross and nasty. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was actually based on um, Frank, Frank Hermitage, uh, who was uh, an Imagineer, um, got into um, making art that looked like you were inside the human body. Um, this was weird. actually used in Body Wars on the Marquee. You can actually sure. see this art, but the idea was to make an attraction that was like this. And Frank Hermitage um, actually was involved in the making of Fantastic Voyage, which had a you know, plot where you uh, scientists go inside the human body 
And I believe they like destroy a brain tumor or something. And there's some models there of when it was like more of a traditional omni mover. And I believe this is going through like the ventricles of the heart and stuff like that. Um, there's some uh, images of like going through the brain and past the eye, uh, like the other side of the eyeball, which is lovely. Um, <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but this is gross. And this is all gross. No, thank you. I uh, think the uh, the little models look cool. Should the attraction have actually been designed similar to the models? That could be like visually pretty neat. Reminds me of like the thing and stuff like that. Horrible, mm-hmm. disgusting, <laughs> pulsing monsters. Yeah, it's just like, here's your free barf bag. Hopefully you don't have to fill it by the end of the ride. Well, that's what I, happens I, when you're trying to make rides that reflect the human body. Like body wars. and Yeah, yeah. so I'm making of me. <laughs> yes people threw up all the time watching i, I would have i think <laughs> you were... i don't it's know like i'm next to my parents and they're discussing <laughs> that's right yeah <laughs> while martin short like just goes oh you know some people don't like to talk about it but hey my dad's sperm with my mom's egg just Thank saying. God they taught us it that. Happened. Thank God Disney did the job and, they really needed yeah. to do. They stepped and up and taught people about sex. Just to let you know, it's the only way everybody in this world is a person because their parents made love. In fact, the first time it's explained to us, it always seems incredible or unbelievable. But believe it or not, all of us, everyone who's ever been born, came into being because their parents made love. That is definitely, definitely the truth that Disney wants to sell. And there's no other way, no other way about it. And and people only come in two types, male and female. You've probably noticed by now that people come in two basic types, male people and female people. That that movie did not age well, man. It did not age well. It was a different time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, this variation on the life pavilion never got off the ground due to sponsors not being able to agree enough with the attraction's messaging. Eventually, in the mid-80s, Michael Eisner was able to woo MetLife into sponsoring a health pavilion, which became Wonders of Life. The pavilion opened in 1989 with a variation on the head trip called Cranium Command to Folly. Sorry, you were not longer for this world. In a simulator attraction, much like the incredible journey within, with the massive headaches of mechanical organs thrown out for a simulator that made guests throw up, which, of course, was Body Wars. So what, what, let's, let's discuss this. Um, number one, there's a lot going on here. Just, I think even more than the land. There's a lot going on. It's all crap. <laughs> okay. Would you like to elaborate? No. Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that you made a good point about bottlenecking. Um, you know, one thing I can say is that it really does provide, I think, a good blueprint of how I'm sure if it ever opens, the play pavilions can operate. We're going to have a central area that spokes out into smaller experiences. Well, yeah, that's that's 100 percent it. But at least at least it's going to have like it's it's going to have the space that Wonders of Life had. Right. Exactly. So I, I, I do feel, though, to be completely honest, none of these ideas are particularly attractive to me. Uh, the <laughs> final one, I, I really like the designs, the little miniatures that were created. I don't know if the ride would actually look like that. But there's just something horribly disinteresting about every single one of these ideas. And that's because 
where you, where I think there is like genuine entertainment in imagination, in nature, in the ocean, uh, in energy, surprisingly in energy. I think there's basically nothing you can pull that's at all entertaining from healthy bodies. Okay, so now we're not we're not criticizing just this idea. You're I also criti- yeah. You're also well, criticizing I, I no, the eventual one. I admittedly life. have no yeah. like a soft spot for wonders mm-hmm. of life. Yeah, um, which which is breaking some people's hearts. Yeah, Buzzy's crying in the corner. There he and, is. And, and, and I understand trying to preserve the knowledge. Is consoling him. Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> oh, um, doesn't like me. I I. Never gonna pro- watch the documentary about me. Oh yeah, oh, that's right. Yeah, the mm-hmm. guy who did Jackass. Is doing he's that. he's producing it. Yeah. Thank God. I hey, Jackass Forever is so good. Yeah, hey, hey, Jackass Forever is yeah. good because guys get hit in the balls. <laughs> He's not directing it though. No, that's true. That's a yeah. good point. All right, and with regard to this, I think, um, yeah, I, 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 Wonders of Life, I think already was an uphill battle, and I understand why people feel nostalgia for Wonders of Life. Design wise, mm-hmm. it's very, you know, very classic, and and people have a soft spot for it. But I look at these experiences, and it's like, all right, take what's in the park now. And just go up to a random guest in any time and offer them what's here. Offer them, offer them what mm-hmm. they have. The, a theater show about dying, a sensory fun house. <laughs> Imagine a, that. It's just like you sit yeah. in a thing and it's like, and then you die. A, a Enjoy tooth, your day at Disney World. <laughs> a tooth theater show, a brain themed animatronic ride, the play pavilion about caloric foods, and then a, a clamshell Omnimover attraction. You know, I, I suppose. When I look at this, I say, I, I, I find it hard to really accrue anything about it. I know this would, makes it hard to talk about it. it, because... would, it would it help if you knew that at one time they were planning on installing a roller coaster element into the uh, dark ride when you went through the brainstorm? What do you? Oh, like it would have <laughs> been a dark ride that turned into a roller coaster? Yes. <laughs> that, yeah. I, the one thing that I can say interests me here is the, is the, the dark ride. Okay. All right. That that seems interesting. Yeah, now, it's reminiscent of like why? inner space. Can I ask uh, why? I, I I have a a a real soft spot for like physical effects. Okay. Specifically, like I don't know. I, I quite like Alien. I like the thing. Mm-hmm. I like uh yeah. I like a lot of movies that. Have, use... you, have you seen Have you seen Inner Space with Martin Short again and Dennis Quaid and. No, no. Have you ever seen like Fantastic Voyage or? No, no, I haven't. No, you haven't. No, okay. Maybe, because maybe I'm... those are things I need to watch now. Yeah, now that you've discovered that I like disgusting, gross, <laughs> horrible, evil, <laughs> evil movies. And inner space features, uh, like a, I think it's like either a Russian man or something like that getting eaten up by stomach acid. That's pretty exciting. The Joe Dante film. Oh, then I'd love it. So, oh, yeah, see, I yeah, love yeah. Gremlins, right? I yeah. love, I love. Uh... Uh, no, seriously, you you should actually check it out. Like, um, yeah, now it's just seems yeah, like something it, it's I a would... good movie. Yeah, um, You're yeah, I, but yeah, it would probably be along those lines. I think, you know, I, I and a lot of that's just because it's hard to turn down a, a dark ride. I think, you know, I think I just think that dark rides are <laughs> unattractive. Uh, just toss uh, everything out. Just dark ride. <laughs> That's yeah, it. I mean, as long as it's a dark ride, sure. You know, give it a shot. All right. Sure, all right. <laughs> the rest of it is like when you do an experience that isn't quite an attraction or it's a theater show, I do think you actually have to justify a lot more of the existence mm-hmm. than when it moves. And that's yeah. a weird thing to say. But the simple act of being taken through sets, right, at any speed is 
implicitly, I think, more attractive than a theater show. So when you make a theater show, you really have to convince the audience that this has a reason to exist. And mm-hmm. the tea thing is just so stupid. I don't know if, like, would, like, it been, like, spotlights on the teeth and you would, like, hear the inner teeth's thoughts? Or would, like, Timmy the Tooth have, have like, little eyes and a mouth and a little flapping, you know, and it's and then it would talk like that. I just... I'm I'm the blank molar and I wear the wisdom teeth and they say some like corny line. I just I just want to know so much about the two follies. Well, it's I, so I really, funny. I believe that like the the professor at UCLA makes an interesting point that people are not want going to want to be lectured to. Yeah, but I don't think this like edutainment cannot simply be education with little cartoon characters. Right. That's mm-hmm. the big mistake that I think a lot of people make, even in education, is that yeah. they think the way to make things interesting is you put cartoon characters delivering the same lecture style thing. And mm-hmm. when you look at this, it's like, well, sure, it's cute. It's Disney, mm-hmm. but it's also a ride about teeth <laughs> and, in a, and a theater show about the brain. It's, well, I, I, mean, I should watch out what I say there. Uh, you're you're t- you're tiptoeing. There's an incre- I think. I mean, obviously, we don't know that much about it, but I do think there's a even a strong difference between the fantasy esque Cranium Command and the much more rigidly, you know, informational stuff that's happening here. It reminds me of mm-hmm. when I was young in elementary school, and we would go to a completely broken FDA hyperlink for like the food pyramid designed on oh, what looked like GeoCities. Yes. yes. And I remember be sitting there and saying, I have like a soft spot for the way this is designed. And I still do. I don't know mm-hmm. why I felt that when I was young. But mm-hmm. looking back on it, it was just garbage. Okay. You know, there's a there's that website NetSmarts that's done by the uh NSA. And it's like, well, yeah, it's like classic and it's cool, but it's also mm-hmm. still just pure yeah. education. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it's entertaining. Okay. So what is the difference between this and Universe of Energy? The original. Animatronics. Uh, okay, but that's still that doesn't make sense because what there's animatronics mean? here. Are that we, is uh, true. I think yeah. that part of the grandiosity of Universe of Energy is what's mm-hmm. exciting. It's that it is a giant theater attraction. I think okay. you know there I don't I'm not going to say that the original was the most interesting thing in the world. I totally mm-hmm. understand that. Yeah. And I honestly think if you pitch me universe of energy here, I might turn it down. Right. Okay. So, so to be clear, like I understand why people like, you know, for example, like the world wonders of life archive or whatever, do what they do because it was mm-hmm. already built and it, it, it represents like a piece of Disney history and design history. Mm-hmm. And it's very nostalgic, mm-hmm. but when you step back from like a very objective sense and a pragmatic sense, mm-hmm. it's hard to argue for these things to be there. So I, I really like, I think Ellen's energy adventure actually does a better job of synthesizing entertainment and education than the original. And I think the original universe of energy has its merits because okay. it was built though. Right. So yeah. I, I think that, you know, looking at this before it was built, mm-hmm. disaster averted. It's okay. it's if you say Homer Simpson was right about Epcot, if this is built. <laughs> Wait a minute. I know where we're going. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, it's even boring to fly over it. Oh, God. Well, it's like, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, their kids grow up, they love dinosaurs, they love nature, they love the fish, they love funny creatures. Mm-hmm. 
No, who gives a damn about <laughs> health insofar health. that, like, I guess I brush my teeth every day, twice a day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I, I try to limit my sodium intake. And I, I think it's all about, like, this is, we inhabit this body and we want to look within. I, I think that's, like, sort of the idea, the fascination of sorts. Um, mm. But, I mean, it is interesting because I think that the eventual wonders of life, I mean, all this stuff, even though it's so caked in that Rolly Crump whimsical hippiness that I really love, it all seems rather dry. And um, have you ever heard, so a, a, a large part of like Cranium Command, uh, they outsourced it to this place called Colossal Pictures. And um, they were given like this script that WDI like crapped out and it, they made a, a like a demo tape of it uh, and they hand it to the executives. And uh, I'm not sure if you've ever heard it. No, I actually it haven't. is. It is the biggest piece of shit you'll ever hear. Oh. It is so it's exactly what when we're talking about this. Yeah, it's exactly what you think it is. Like it's exactly as dry as cloying as condescending as you want as you think it is going to be all systems go sir good your first assignment is to get bobby to school <laughs> pizza cake Pink. hey it's too early for cake Re- relax stomach we're not eating any cake <laughs> so i mean the very fact that like they gave it to these disney animators who who did go on to like make the Disney Renaissance and they made it into something that I think is charming and funny and likable. And that I, I think that's a large part of why wonders is so beloved. Yeah. So I, I do think that they did, they did able, and at least in one spot were able to like successfully blend it. But in the other spots, I, I still feel like this original iteration sort of it, it stink still remain because i think lots of people love goofy about health but every time i look at it number one it's something that disney would never ever ever let be in a theme park goofy smoking hmm. what <laughs> bob Ch- bob chapex if he had or had a like a toupee it would fly off uh <laughs> if he never made that yeah. mistake yeah, <laughs> uh, I I do think that like I do think uh, uh, that's the interesting thing about something like Cranium Command or even Body Wars or even in my my mind goes to Adventures Through Inner Space. Adventures Through Inner Space, yeah, because mm-hmm. the intention is never to teach about quantum mechanics and Adventures Through Inner Space, <laughs> even if the attraction does promote a very tacit interest in like you know subatomic particles, yeah, uh, or atomic particles, I guess I should say. Uh, the the goal is always to 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 take not what's intellectually stimulating about these ideas, mm-hmm. but take what is intellectually motivating and creatively fascinating and yeah. fantastical. You know, you you take like Seven Dwarves, and it's a it's a it's an idea that could be boring, but you take what's so fantastical about the idea mm-hmm. of meeting people in the forest, and you create magic from it. Same with yeah. something like Bambi. I think that's the success of. Uh, living with the land or the seas or world of motion or horizons. Imagination is an easy one. The uh, Even universe of energy, right? Even parts of universe of energy, not all of it, but parts of it. Parts of it. Right. Is to take, you know, di- energy has. You can, the real you can, fantastical. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You present dinosaurs because they're fantastical. And from that fantasy, you leave a message of, of the intelligence stuff. This, I think 
is a total failure in that regard. Okay. Insofar that the teeth attraction <laughs> captures, I don't think there's anything fantastical about teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think there's anything fantastical about strictly doing a educational attraction mm-hmm. on aging, you know, for example, um, mm-hmm. or it's or, just a theater show. Yeah, exactly. Or, or like the, the, the nervous system, the emotion, the intellect, in in the in the brain there is that's why i think bill nye is a super successful show because it doesn't try to do the science rigidly it instead tries to take what you <laughs> already think is amazing and put like a science boundary on it that's okay. my like pseudo intellectual take on this is okay. that it, it, under no circumstance are any of the attractions doing what cranium command could do which is to take a very real scientific phenomena and put boundaries around it to take what's actually fascinating about the brain is the Wait, idea are, are that you it's saying it it did successfully do it or did not a cranium command i think did and that's why did. people like yeah. it mm-hmm. uh, I, yeah, I absolutely agree yeah it's the one classic epcot attraction i think in there and I think that Body Wars, while interesting, it was just kind of a mild whirl ride. And yeah. the thing about this original concept of all of it um, with the Life and Health Pavilion, I just think that Body's gross and a dark ride of it would be gross. And there was yeah, just absolutely. too much going on. And you're, you're right. It, there's there's yeah. not much interesting about two follies and stuff like that. It all seemed very first drafty. So, yeah, no, I, I totally get what you're saying here right now we're going to have a quick sidebar to the (laughs) tron arcade let's get into the grid everyone uh there is a another they they had all these like like I, i feel like early epcot center 1982 epcot center was so insecure because it's just a bunch of these billboards everywhere going this is coming soon we know there's not that much here but this is coming soon uh it says coming soon what's in a game lasers simulators robotics enter an extraordinary world of electronic micro magic in the Tron Arcade. Hinted in at 1982, guests were supposed to enter a portion of Communicore and enter the game grid from Tron, playing the most high-tech of video games at the moment. The film bombed and it never happened. The end. This is the and best idea yet. <laughs> there's there's the concept art of it. I love that. Do you do you like Tron? I no, the first movie sucks. Oh, okay. And the second movie sucks but has a really good soundtrack. Ah, I like the visual aspects of Tron. Okay, I was about to say, it's like everybody loves the visuals of Tron. Yeah. Uh, I actually rewatched Tron a few years back. So I did too. And we watched it together, didn't we? I think, no, that's right. Yeah. I was sick and I decided to watch Tron and you did too. That's right. It was one of our watch-a-thon videos, I think. Mm -hmm. We did the 20 Disney Plus launch movies. That's right, we did, yes. You're right, you're right. That is correct. And uh, I I fell asleep during it, to be honest. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I, I remember actually liking it because it was the second time I saw it. I actually liked it a little bit more the second time I saw it. Yeah. Uh, but I I still think it's enormously boring and the visuals are really cool. Well, and the beginning of Tron's it. good. I think when, when um, uh, what's this shit? What the hell's his name? Uh-oh, who's the main actor? Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges. Yeah. When Jeff Bridges is like the computer technician and he's working at the company, like that's pretty neat. And when he first goes to the place, that's pretty neat. But then it just implodes on this kind of lore thing with Tron. Yeah. And 
Yeah, I just gave up. I was like, oh, I don't know about this. <laughs> the second like, movie is pretty yeah. awful. The there's like some really cool like visual elements, like not even within the game. There's like this moment where he's going to the like the company that makes it, and yeah. he walks into his office, and it's like a map painting of like like cubicles like a thousand yards long. It's yeah, so, yeah, such yeah. a great shot. And it's a beautiful you're like, movie. oh man, I I wish the script was like matching that. Yeah. <laughs> but again, like with um Electronica, we had, you know, just that whole visual aesthetic and that's really cool. I would I would have liked this as a uh, an Epcot thing. It's Yeah, having like a little like kind of Starcade analogous mm-hmm. in Epcot. Yeah, I I I think that, you know, I don't know if it would fit today, sadly, but I do think it probably would have been a little neat idea. Yeah. Um, just... Eventually, they would just do Sega games anyway. So <laughs> that's what I was gonna say. This would just become the Sega grid. Yeah, <laughs> some plaster Sonic up everywhere, and then when <laughs> Tron became cool again, they would switch the music to Daft Punk, and it would become Tron again. Uh, so if we were discussing like oh um, a couple weeks ago if like Tron should have gone in Epcot, and it almost did. It <laughs> almost did. Ah. Disney contacted Tron about a coaster. Do you know that? What? Yeah, so there was an interview I read right when Daft Punk broke up from like a French magazine, mm-hmm. and they were they they talked about how Disney contacted them to like do like a Daft Punk coaster, but they denied oh. it. Oh, so oh, I, just just not not about Tron. Well, they did they didn't go into any more detail, so this isn't oh, okay. worth an unbuilt thing. But speaking okay. of Daft Punk, is that seemingly they didn't go into more detail? What I assume it was was either a being featured on the Tron coaster. Oh, because from right, what I right, gather, right. I don't know what if, if it actually what, is on the coaster. If, what if they took they were going to take Rock and Roller Coaster and make it into like EDM coaster? That I either that or like Space Mountain or something featuring Daft like, Punk. Yeah, there you go. They take like a Aerosmith, and then that would be the easiest thing because like all you would have to do is they would be in their helmets, like as animatronics in the queue. Yeah, I, I thought about that when I was younger for some reason. <laughs> I was like, you could really just super easily just plop them into a an attraction. Go cheapo and say, ah, it's Tron. Do Tron. Oh, but rule, I, 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 Daft, I Punk, know. Daft Punk music on. Uh, is that what the soundtrack is on um, Tron Like Cycle Run? Now, see, that's an interesting thing is I've been told that it is Daft Punk music, but okay. me being a loser I mean, well, and I mean, listening to ride it, videos, I don't think so. It, I don't know if it's actually Daft Punk. It opened in 2016. That was before Daft Punk broke up. So... You know, God, we know that the attraction has been under construction long before Daft Punk broke up. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird to me. They I listened to videos from Shanghai and maybe people people say they play D-Rez or whatever, the main song in the ride. But I Mm -hmm. my ear doesn't hear it. So maybe I'll I'll listen to it when it comes here. I know the video that they showed at D23 definitely wasn't Daft Punk. Okay, Um, that definitely wasn't their music. Mm -hmm. Uh. So I'm, I don't know, maybe that was just Disney contacting them to ask if they could license the, the music. Cause I do think Daft Punk holds on to a lot of their music rights. It's very weird. They well, have like a... I can't imagine that like when Daft Punk did Tron, all that music is automatically Daft Punk. Yeah. I doubt it. I know that I, I it's very weird. They have incredibly good contracts for all their other music so i don't know how it works at disney but mm-hmm. i don't know there there's there's like a light unbuilt maybe in like five years you'll find out that they were supposed to retheme tower terror with daft punk and yeah 
<laughs> but with, with regard to the Tron grid, yeah, with, with regard to the Tron grid, I mean, it looks cool. Like, I, I, I think I honestly would have rather seen this than that old Wonders of Life. So, no need to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. Well, <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, are we good with Tron? Are we good with the Tron Arcade? Yeah, I think barely we're fine talking with about the actual Tron Arcade. <laughs> I mean, what are you supposed to say? The Starcade is gone. Now they do like little parties there in Disneyland. So mm-hmm. I don't think it would have lasted. It would have lasted as long as that Tron Tunnel in uh, the People Mover. Uh, uh, yeah, that's true. That lasted a long time. That lasted all the way into the 90s. <laughs> and how? Mm-hmm. Okay, so <laughs> the next one is another quick one. Great moments at the movies. Imagination Pavilion was slated to get an expansion with an animatronic-filled ride called Great Moments of the Movies, which took guests into the world of cinema and inserted them right into classic film scenes. So the apocryphal story is that Eisner was taken through and went, show me everything Imaginary wants to make. And he took them took them through and he saw this and uh, Eisner immediately fell in love. Uh, so much he turned it into a whole theme park with the ride as the centerpiece eventually renamed the great movie ride uh in the original pitch guests would walk on a path jutting to the right of the imagination pavilion seeing a cinema marquee in front of a gigantic blue sky backdrop i don't know what they loved about blue sky backdrops um they then would enter the facade into a soundstage and would be whisked off into the journey so needless to say this is the great movie ride <laughs> they went to film that's all i have to say <laughs> <laughs> you could have officially said i went i went to film that's right you, yeah <laughs> uh this looks like crap <laughs> what could is, you imagine this in epcot i mean number Mine, one we were no, talking about the but, land pavilion this is, looks like shit yeah look at that horrible horrible facade i don't i mean i presumably they would have put a little more effort into that look at this rains rains how much in, in florida like the, the blue backdrop wouldn't be very blue a lot no, what it's a match like Good lord. No. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand as the great movie ride stands, like, yeah, or stood in Hollywood Studios or MGM, it like fits really well. As it would sit here, I, I don't know what the hell the idea was. This just mm-hmm. seems like one of those like weird Eisner things, though. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. it's like, oh, build the Mickey Mouse Hotel where you stay in his buttons. <laughs> yes. And it's I like, I still love that idea. <laughs> Probably not. Probably imagine that thing been, towering over New York City. <laughs> you look at the skyline of New York City, and there's a giant Mickey Mouse. That I was, I always thought it would go in Anaheim. Uh, like I thought it, I thought in the Disney War book it said he wanted to build it in New York City. Is that what it was? <laughs> oh, I thought Jesus. so. Well, that that is a that I could see that honestly, mm-hmm. it would be pretty prototypically American to have oh, a giant Mickey Mouse on the New York. God, skyline. Could you imagine that? It's like I don't want to go dark, but I was just images, about to say that. <laughs> images of nine eleven and the World Trade Center is on fire, and there's a giant Mickey Mouse in the background. Yeah, Mickey shed a tear. That Mickey, day. <laughs> Mickey is just looking up. Oh, and he's just looking at it, uh, and like one of America's darkest moments. That's oh right. god! Oh my That's god! Right. No, they would have no. targeted Mickey Mouse instead. No, no. First you the Israel it. Pavilion, now Mickey. Um, 
Uh, yeah. I, by the way, I actually did listen to the, this is annoying, but I think I did listen to that. I listened to the Tron light cycle run music and I don't think it's, oh, you don't think it's sample. I don't, I don't okay. think so. I'll have, hmm. Maybe right. someone smarter than me will tell me. Um, All right. But anyways, so I think, yeah, with regard to the, uh, the great movie ride prototype, um, this just looks like crap. It looks <laughs> awful. I cannot believe that it even got to this level of the design phase. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, even like having some intern, even if it wasn't like a real artist, it was like some intern. Well, I shouldn't say real artist. Even if it wasn't like a main Imagineer, it was some intern designing this. They put too much effort into this uh, horrible idea. It reminds me of that wall in Hollywoodland that goes nowhere. Yeah, well, everybody hates that. Well, that, well, that's kind of that's, cute, a, that's I what guess. I was saying. That was his saying. Like, this is always what they wanted to do. And they eventually got it, and it sucked. It's kind of cute in like Hollywoodland because like, or in Hollywood Studios or Hollywoodland because it's like, oh, okay, like ha ha ha. The park's about Hollywood, and it's a fake matte painting. Okay, fine. But when it's Epcot, it, you step back and you're like, what the, the flying hell is that? Huh? There's a giant blue wall, <laughs> and then you go in and you sit there like a thirty minute dark ride. <laughs> So I didn't even fit into Epcot. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> well, it didn't because that's in my thank Eisner. Thank you, Eisner. Thank you, Michael. Okay, our final unbuilt pavilion idea was the original idea behind the Living Seas. Here, guests sail through moments of peril and triumph with the great explorers who charted the seas for civilization. In another adventure, Poseidon the Sea Lord will challenge visitors to journey through the ocean depths. And see right there already crazy stuff in that concept art. Uh, titled The Seas, just as like the land, the original idea was half dark ride, half laboratory. While that seems to mimic what we eventually got, the dark ride was far grander. Guests entered through a grotto and were seated in a pre-show theater, and the screen would completely wrap around the guests as thunder was heard with lightning strikes strobing throughout. The storm would swell as the doors closed behind the guests, and a giant tidal wave would begin to head towards guests until a lightning bolt strikes. And that's when the god of the sea, Poseidon, appears. And there he is, Poseidon. Poseidon raises his hand, and the wave quells back. He reminds us that despite man's fears and superstitions of the sea, the ocean is the cradle of life. This makes our planet unique. Poseidon would mention that few had the fortitude and spirit to venture out to sea and explore Earth's oceans. He would also note that if we can part the waves to understanding of Jesus, uh, then many of us can build that courage and spirit to venture into the unknown world of our mysterious oceans and unlock many of the secrets within its grasp. Suddenly, the storms would rise again as our theater, mounted on a turntable, turns to the left as guests are greeted by a loading hall nestled within the banks of the ocean. So this is very similar to Rise of the Resistance when you're in that um, shuttle craft and you're actually on a turntable moving into a spot to go into another location very very similar to that on the other side of the two-part theater guests would load in for the next pre-show we would journey onto the ocean floor in our bubble-like omni-mover vehicles yeah this is like kind of like the um the red blood cells that we were talking about earlier these like are shaped like bubbles mm-hmm. <laughs> you could kind of see it there in the concept art and the path like you would walk on the sea floor, uh, guests would begin their adventure through the Cradle of Life show scene, where they would explore the microscopic world of where everything began. 
as they would journey through the food chain from the microscopic world to the macroscopic world, a giant fish with its mouth wide open would swim towards their bubble-like vehicle, giving guests the impression of being the final link in their food chain. Oh my god. The giant fish would miss them, and they would continue to the next set of show scenes. The guests would now visit a forest of kelp and the continental shelf. These locations are home to many unique forms of life and tons of mineral wealth. Our narrator, still Poseidon, would explain how everything you see on your journey is all interconnected. This includes the sea's physical and biological systems, the natural resources of our oceans, and the vital need for humans to work symbiotically with the oceans to maintain our own environments. Stop putting oil in the damn ocean! That's what it's saying. Next, guests would enter the Coral Reef, which would be at the pavilion's main cylindrical tank. Throughout their journey, guests and their vehicles would be separated from the water by an acrylic tube. This scene would give guests the impression of being completely submerged in the ocean by being in the gigantic 5 million gallon tank. The setting takes place in the year 2030. Looks at the date. Oh my god. Uh, (laughs) And guests who would now be able to see firsthand the management and monitoring of our oceans in a harmonious and symbiotic way as Poseidon mentioned earlier. You see some like see how those like tubes and the little bubbles would filter in and out. Guests would unload at the sea base in the dome center of the aquarium and see exhibits very similar to what late, came later on, including robotic devices, diving with dolphins, new prototypes for scuba gear and communications and sonar tech. Eventually, the ideas of the tubes were nixed, and when United Technologies came on board, the entire idea of Poseidon was axed as it was deemed too fantastical. Now the attraction was solely positioned around the idea of sea base alpha deep under the sea uh, as guests took hydrolators to reach their destination. So, Poseidon, huh? Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's the 80s. Mm-hmm. And King Triton wasn't a thing, yeah, you know. No, that's... Exactly what would happen, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, that was one of the Project Gemini plans, right? Yes, it was. Yeah. Um, I think that this is an interesting idea, but I, I almost wonder if they just made the right call with the with the uh, living seas. It's a little <laughs> ambitious. The, the whole take the. I mean, wait. So you would take the little bubble there, yes, into the sea base alpha, yeah. But to get out, you'd have to take a bubble back. Let me look at that model again because I don't believe you had to take a bubble back. I remember, uh, no, you would just you would just like go in a tube. Oh, is that so? Go back in. That that would be it. It looks like that. You don't have to take a bubble out. Because I'm thinking escaping this thing would be a literal nightmare. <laughs> it's an incredibly like. It reminds me of that uh, Horizons Part Two or whatever that we talked about mm-hmm. with the the stand up theater. Yeah, uh, that was like the beauty of the universe. Or I, you, if you would remember better than me, what oh, the <laughs> the tagline of that was? Uh, what you see is what you believe, or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Um, somebody then is screaming at their phones right now. I don't know. Like, ah, I listened to that episode seven times. <laughs> we can't um, even remember it. It's caught in the tape recorder, the tape deck of my car. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, it, it's it. 
Hmm. I'm thinking about this with respect to that first, the land idea. Let's say this was built with the land, right? Yes. Imagination would look like a mini mall in comparison. <laughs> These are both um, very ambitious ideas. Yeah, incredibly ambitious, incredibly detailed, incredibly mm-hmm. extravagant. You know, you yeah. look at that model and just looking at the number of rooms in that thing. Yeah. Uh, is incredible. It's mm-hmm. a fascinating idea. I don't think it's realistic. I really like that pre-show. That pre-show is cool. The Poseidon one? Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. I um, I don't really care about the dark ride portion. I guess scuba things. I like like going through the sea base and stuff like that. That kind of reminds me of just Horizons itself. When you yeah. actually go visit the um, sea base, which my mind is blanking on. I'm sorry. I know Mesa Verde. I know Robin Centauri. But for the life of me, I cannot remember well, what the sea base was called. Bill, Disney will sell you coasters that say it on there soon. So, well, that's the sad thing. I would actually buy those coasters. Oh no! Oh, yeah. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I am looking it up right now. Um, by the way, it is called. Uh, it was Sea Castle, so I was right. Okay. Mm, okay. Sea Castle. Sea Castle is not Sea Base Alpha, and Sea Base Alpha is not Sea Castle. I see. Okay. I so if see. you repeat it, Sea Base oh, Alpha, I don't. Yeah, no. <laughs> not Sea Castle. Sea Castle is not Sea Base Alpha. Uh, We're good? Uh, We're good. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll get that tattooed like on my okay. forearm. No, it's mm-hmm. it's an idea that I couldn't possibly turn down. Like if they would commit all this time. I love the architecture on that Poseidon walkthrough little area, the little entrance. Oh, I love the yeah, I love the idea. Uh and they kind of did this with the seas with Lima and friends. They have you like walking on the ocean floor. Yeah, that was like really that neat. Idea. They, they cool. do the beach into the, the ocean mm-hmm. floor. Uh, yeah. This just looks like it would be so much more re- regal. It, re- it really reflects that kind of, mm-hmm. I don't know what to call that architecture. Someone else would know better than me, some artist, but whatever yeah. they do at like some of the Swan and Dolphin restaurants or, or, or maybe in the movie, the little mermaid, um, mm-hmm. you know, where you have like that almost paintbrush esque, yeah, uh, the painterly look. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, exactly. Where things are, they kind of stretch and they overhang, like almost mm-hmm. like rock work, but it's very sleek and very smooth. It's very nice. And I think, you know, I, I previously, I guess I said that the Living Seas is probably better. I guess when I say that, I mean that it's more realistic. This thing was, if it was actually designed, um, even at like 50% of this would have been incredibly intricate. Yeah. Uh, just the idea of trying to do like that full 360 almost view mm-hmm. as you're going towards Sea Base Alpha in one of those little pod tubes, acrylic claustrophobic tube, acrylic, acrylic tube. I mean, like I, I, you go on. Um, have you ever been to an aquarium that had the acrylic tubes? I, I've been to one where it's like a walkthrough. I've never been one where it's like a. Okay. I have been to a lot of them, um, but I, I don't think I've ever been one to where you're like completely 100% on all sides, like submerged, and especially in a ride vehicle. Ooh, well, that oh, does man. happen in, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, the Living Seas. No, it doesn't. Um, when you're going into, when you're walking into the center of the aquarium. But it, that's not on the actual ride. Oh, I'm sorry. Actual, I, well, I suppose I mean, yeah, like just a walkthrough where you yeah, are. Yeah, there is, there is. Yeah. yeah, I meant, I meant like on a ride vehicle and like, yeah, because the idea wasn't you weren't on the 
bottom. You were actually like in the middle of the tank on this ride vehicle. Right. And that would be f- kind of freaky because at least like in like walkthrough things, you can just quickly get out of it and stuff like that. I don't know. This, this would have freaked me out a bit. Yeah. It, it just a giant like, bubble. If, if it was like a smaller, if it was like a, uh, a much larger acrylic tube, right. So mm-hmm. that you could have walkways so people could get out yeah. in case of a fire. I look at sea base alpha and I think it's kind of odd that, I mean, it looks really long. I don't know what that thing is on the right-hand side on the f- second to final picture that you sent. Um, mm-hmm. But the... I think it's just Contador, so this, this, if you're what you're asking. So all of this is underwater? I think the idea was that this all of that, yeah, it was in the 5 million gallon tank. That just seems... It, I think this lot. is just being a little bit over-ambitious. Yeah, the way that they <laughs> currently have it set up where it's a... Uh, it's like a research facility. Seems mm-hmm. like it's the most actually probable. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe if even if the tank was bigger, that that thing would have been a massive pain in the ass to maintain, yeah. especially if there were fish in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, like yeah, I, I suppose with a five what's five million gallon? You said. Yeah. Um, it could have its own ecosystem and just could replenish mm-hmm. itself. I that would be an incredible undertaking. But mm-hmm. I think that's actually another point about the land as well is that as beautiful as these things look, keeping natural things pretty is basically counterintuitive to how they want to develop. You can see this if you create like a pond in your backyard. Is you know try to get a pond that looks as clear as something that Disney has with as much um, development. Make it's like impossible. What? Make my own pond. It's well, like my, the idea of making my own pond. My dad has a pond. Oh, really? Yeah, he has like a little koi pond in like the back of the, uh, back, like wow. the backyard. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's what happens when you live in like the middle of nowhere is that land is a, lot, <laughs> a little bit cheaper. I'm just, um, just going to go out to my uh, tiny backyard and build a small pond. Yeah. <laughs> I, so, but it is like a thing. He his intention was to make a a pond that was like you mm-hmm. know something like Disney would do themed and stuff like that. Yeah. But what you notice is is that nature is really not particularly interested in that. It doesn't want to be mm-hmm. that pretty just because it's there's no need. So when you have the current land and the current seas as research um, research buildings, everything is highly controlled, uh, and yeah. it just so happens that highly controlled environments tend to be more attractive so you get to see a mm-hmm. a really uh expertly designed place to harvest food and an expertly yeah. designed place to work at the fish with this though that is a freaking <laughs> massive tank with okay. a lot of variables i don't know if so, you could have done that i'm going to send you a photo <laughs> and the photo is of what the tank currently looks like from the inside okay okay, okay. i'd like so to see this, this is what the tank looks like from the inside and now number one you're gonna notice one thing number one it's pretty it's a little murky yeah uh and number two what you can notice is that all of the surroundings on the actual tank look like absolute shit yeah (laughs) and that is what i wanted to point out that if this were made, that uh, a concept art would not look like that concept art. It's a big shiny bubble for long because no. water and other stuff submerged. As we've all seen the Titanic, it does not mix well. <laughs> no, so, it, it doesn't. Yeah, and it, it's incredibly difficult. I just sent you a picture as well, and anybody can look this up of what it looks like above the tank. Above the tank, right? Mm-hmm. Right. So that that above tank access is something that. 
And number one, it's really, it's not that big. I mean, it's big. Like if you look up yeah. the building of the, I think the, it was for the long, it wasn't for the longest time, the largest single aquarium in the world. Yeah. I, that's, mm -hmm. I, I don't know to be exact, to be completely certain. I think actually here, here, let's take a, now we're just tweeting each other. This is like, just, like a, <laughs> a live. This is just, the, the picture I'm sending you. I'm sure you've seen it. Is the construction <laughs> process of the living Yes, cities. yes. I, I was just looking at this. Yes, right. And so you, you giant oval, you know, and and that's in that's in the concept art. Is that same idea? Right, is, but there's there's yeah. no way it was that big. I, I mean, sorry, there's no way it was that small. It would have had yeah, to have been yeah. much, much much bigger. bigger. Right, exactly. No, I I know exactly what you're saying. So that, like. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're listening along, close your eyes and think about this. A massive tank. First off, go Google uh, the construction pictures of Living Seas. Then consider what you would have had to do to take that, which has a little tiny viewing area in the middle, right? Mm -hmm. And then the tank. Now expand that to have the entire sea base under the water. Yeah. Then give some vertical leeway, not mm -hmm. only so that you can have the whole ecosystem, but, but it so you looks can like have you're maintenance. completely submerged too. Yeah. Exactly, and and you have to make it so that you have to have maintenance up there, mm -hmm. and that you know people are continuously in, the, in the middle of it. In the middle of it, there's a freaking ride track. I guess what you do, at least in my hypothesis, maybe someone at Disney or like an engineer could come up with a better a better way to do it. But imagine what you do is you build two, and you build a gate, <laughs> so that when you need to do maintenance, you just open the gate and all the water. And then you just kill all the fish fish that way. No. I don't know what you do, to be honest with you. Like, I don't know how you drain. I don't know how they currently drain it to do maintenance, but they really don't need to. They because bag up the all the fish and they put them all in little baggies. <laughs> and you put them on the windowsill. That's right. In the windowsill. And then they escape. That's yeah, they're currently plotting their own finding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they've had to listen to that damn big blue world song. <laughs> No, sea turtles are going deaf um no but the current system is like they the, all of the ride mechanics are built into the ground or inside of the tube but the idea that you would try to have everything snake into this building that would need maintenance i think the land one is unrealistic but it's been done i there's a aquarium in baltimore the national aquarium that has a very small, but it's like a big kind of natural area with trees and birds and animals and outdoor fish tanks and stuff like that. And it's in a giant glass kind of protrusion from the building. Um, so you could do it. It's been done. It's just mm -hmm. a greenhouse. But with this, though, also it's a mosquito heaven, I imagine. But anyways, <laughs> uh, with this, though, it's like you would have to forego the ability to do maintenance on this thing for a yeah. long time. Like you're saying, you you look at the current infrastructure of the living seas and there's a reason why it's light rock work, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> and, and, and white walls um, because it's just not feasible. <laughs> so this one is like amazing. Yeah. The dark ride, I think would be amazing that mm -hmm. you could do actually uh, very easily. You just have to build more building. But the underwater part is like, wow. So yay Poseidon, no to the others. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what, uh, I think that's at least my feeling. All right. So uh, we've come to the final question for all of these ideas. Do we wish any of these future world pavilion variants uh, were built? Yay or nay? Is it a nay on all? No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm not. I uh, Come on. Do you think it's a nay on all? I would like to see the Tron Arcade. 
Uh, really, I I am a, a big yay on the land. The land, okay. I think that you know, living in fantasy, right? Let's just say I'm a big yay on the land. Let's say it could mm, happen. Interesting. Big nay on the wonders of life. <laughs> <laughs> just all of it, all the wonders. Oh, I guess I should. No, say life. no life, no life whatsoever. Everything death. <laughs> um, and nay on the uh this the living seas. No, you know what? No, you know what? I'll I'll be a little optimistic here. My only reason why I was against or was so concerned with the idea is because it pragmatically seems like it couldn't, it could never be done. Mm -hmm. However, if they found a way to do it, then yeah, that it's awesome. Like like you said, the Poseidon part is incredibly neat, and the actual sea base is an innovative idea. If they could find a way to do it. Like hinging on the fact that somebody has a realistic answer to this question, <laughs> then sure, why not? All it's right. better than a giant blue cloud tapestry right next to <laughs> imagination. Uh, I want to see the Tron Arcade. I guess the land, I don't know. It's, I really like that old land, 1982 vibe. Uh, it doesn't exist just, anymore. Just, I know, but uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I think Animal Kingdom does what this land does better. I don't. I guess. Yeah. And Life and Health. No, Wonders of Life was better. Tron Arcade. Yes. Uh, and Great Moments in the Movies, which we didn't even recognize. Hell no. Um, and uh, <laughs> The Living Seas. Uh, yay Poseidon. No, everything else. Uh, yay Poseidon for, for life. Uh, this is officially our longest episode. <laughs> Hooray. Hooray. We did it. Woo. Because <laughs> we all knew that talking about future world for unbuilt future world would do it to us. Mm. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if we're going to beat it next week or maybe Westcott. Maybe Westcott will beat it. Uh, we'll see in the in the time ahead. Um, but before we go, uh, any last um, things you want to say about these future world ideas? Um, yeah, I think that here's the last thing I want to say. Yeah. I wonder, I, I mean, look, I don't think we'll, maybe we will be doing this show in 30 years, but <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh, but let's say somebody takes the mantle and starts doing unbuilt attractions into the next generation. And we get to see okay. what's being done with future world today. Like what was the plan more so than just what was shown to us at D23, <laughs> the future world attractions. Right. There's no way that it was only a giant table and there's no way that like that stupid little concert hall on the corner. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, things will come out. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Well, what I uh, my question that I leave off on this is that you look back at the 1980s and we look back at 82 Epcot as like the the pinnacle of uh, at least domestic imagineering doing something creative. But behind the scenes, there were these projects that never would have seen the light of day. But they're just so intricate and cool, the land and the seas to be specific. So I do wonder in the next 20, 30 years, what mm. Martin's vids, because I'm sure <laughs> he'll keep making things for the next thousand years. Um, I wonder what will come out uh, about those. I, I wonder what, what's really been cooking in the back that didn't manage to see the light of day and what could have been for this new generation of Epcot. Indeed, indeed. That's a great note to go out on. So in the meantime, please follow us on social media on Twitter at UnbuiltPod. You can reach me at Open Mother's Mail and Ryan Dorman at Open the Dorman. Feel free to email us at UnbuiltPod at gmail.com and rate us on Stitcher, iTunes, and Anchor or wherever you can find this podcast. Please write a review and tell us how we're doing. If you don't like us, Figment knows where you live. Just saying. 
Bye, everyone. Bye. The Adventures of Timmy the Tooth, where imagination is your passport to adventure. From MCA Universal Home Video.